You're listening to the 38th episode of the Author Alchemist podcast, and today's question is, what can we learn from the god of Aleppo? If you've never heard of this particular god, then do I have a story for you. It's a great story, it really is, but it was crowdsourced on Tumblr years ago. So let's talk about it. I'm Kimbu, the host of the Author Alchemist podcast. I'm bringing my years of experience as both a fan fiction writer and a professionally published author to the problem we all love to hate, the act of writing. You can't improve on something that doesn't exist, which means the most important thing you can do is simply write anything. Just write something. I'm here to help you do that. Welcome back. Once again, I'm recording this in the morning, so I'm trying not to say good morning because it might be good evening for you. Gotta get out of that habit, y'all. I am really super excited about today's episode. I've, I've drafted this episode out in my show notes, gosh, over a year ago, to talk about these particular stories. There are three stories that were essentially crowdsourced on Tumblr back in Tumblr's heyday to 2015, 2016. Uh, I haven't really looked into exactly when they were created, but they have continued to thrive and they are such wonderful examples of modern storytelling, modern fairy tales in a lot of ways. I want to talk about how they are great examples of embracing creativity in public. So as I said, I was sitting on this outline of a podcast for a while. This really came to me yesterday when I was talking to a really good friend of mine who's getting back into her art. She's a fabulous artist, but she hasn't been practicing it in a long time. As we were talking about how she could approach it, and I'm not an artist, so I wasn't giving her professional advice on how to relearn her art skills but we were just throwing ideas back and forth and one of the things that came up to me was Seth Godin's idea of show your work ship your work if you're not familiar with Seth Godin I highly recommend his podcast Akimbo I think it's one of the best podcasts out there in the world right now Uh, he really brings a fresh vision to problems that a lot of us are dealing with both as business owners and entrepreneurs and as working creatives. So if you count yourself in that basket, I highly recommend the podcast. One of the repeated refrains from a lot of people who make these kinds of advice columns for creatives, and I include Seth Godin, I also include Stephen Pressfield, who wrote The Art of War, did a podcast on Uh, review of Art of War a few episodes back and it was so funny because I did that podcast and then like two episodes later in Seth Godin's podcast he talked about it too so maybe we're just just all in the vibe of the Art of War right now certainly feels like it some days what keeps coming up when I listen to the advice of people like Godin and Pressfield and uh Strutless a YouTuber who I really enjoy as well. I'll I'll put links to all of these guys in the show notes, but 
they keep coming back to the idea of showing your work, shipping your work, whatever you want to call it. It's really hard for writers to do that if you're not in fan fiction. If you're in fan fiction, you get used to it really hard, really fast, because oftentimes in fan fiction, a lot of us writers share our work very quickly. We write a chapter and we post the chapter. Some actually do write whole stories and then post them as completed works. I would honestly say that that's the minority. I think a lot more of us tend to work on whips or shorter pieces like less than 5,000 words that we finish quickly and post quickly. We are sharing our work in a very visible way because usually whatever platform you're sharing it on, whether it's Dreamwidth, journaling platform, or the archive of our own fan fiction hosting platform, or you're just your own website, people will interact with it. They will leave comments for it. As with any social media networking engagement, that can sometimes turn toxic. But generally speaking, very generally, readers are very supportive of writers. So shipping your work, showing your work, is very familiar to fan fiction writers. I think it's also more familiar to actual fine artists, painters, people who draw, people who do calligraphy, or any combination of visual arts, really, because they often share projects that they're working on at different stages of development. Again, I'm not speaking for everybody. One thing I do remember a lot of on Tumblr and what I see a lot of on Twitter is artists sharing their works in progress, sharing sketches that they did, warm-up sketches. Some of my favorite artists' favorite work is actually their warm-up sketches, which are usually very vibrant and show me a lot about their focus and what they value in the art that they're creating, the lines, the colors, the weights, all that sort of fun stuff. Again, I'm not a visual artist, so I can't speak lingo very well, but I think you get the point I'm making. For original fiction, it's really different. You're, you're not going to find very many authors participating in, say, a hashtag event that happens every week called WIP Wednesdays. WIP, of course, standing for Work in Progress. There used to be one for a six-sentence Sunday, and I think some people still do that. Not as common anymore. Most people do the WIP Wednesday, where you take a screenshot of part of the story that you're working on and post it as a picture, uh, hopefully with alt text tags included. Thank you very much. So that people can see what you're actually working on. If this idea gives you hives, then my suggestion is you need to do it. You need to do it with your original fiction just as much as a lot of us do with our fan fiction. I know that there is a real concern about intellectual property, that if you're sharing something that you're working on that hasn't been revealed yet, you haven't registered the copyright for it yet, that somebody might steal it. And that is a valid concern. I would counter that with the idea that exploring the things that you're working on in public establishes ownership of them, at least by U.S. copyright law. I can't speak for international or other countries, but in the United States, once you've established proof of your own ownership of something, then 
the copyright is yours. A lot of people hold their work close to their chest, thinking that it'll protect it better, when the reverse is actually truer. If you doubt the value of show your work or share your work, then I hope that the stories that we're going to talk about now might help you overcome that. Again, I highly suggest checking out the hashtag Whip Wednesdays. You'll see a lot of fan fiction. You might see a little bit of original fiction, but to check it out, look at what people are doing. See how people are reacting. See how readers, fans of those writers, whether it's fan fiction or original fiction, are excited to see what they're working on. It's a wonderful interaction. It's inspiring. It's motivating. And sometimes it can even lead to modern classics. Now, the examples that I'm giving here uh, weren't show your work in the sense that these people were sharing a work in progress. What they did was, or the core kernel of the beginning of these fabulous stories was that they shared a little snippet of a story, a little snippet of an idea. In The God of Aleppo, it was pretty cohesively contained crowdsourced story where people took the part before it in a round robin style and added to it until we had a truly lovely story. Neighbor Steve is not crowdsourced. It, it was written by an individual who owns that story, but it was written in chunks. It was written almost like a fan fiction. It was like, here's a chapter, here's another chapter, here's another. On Tumblr, where people would read along as the chapters were posted, became legendary. Stabby the Space Roomba, <laughs> a little bit different, was truly crowdsourced in a very broad way. There's many different wells of Space Roomba-ing you can fall down. The connections are very many from the original kernel of an idea. In fact, it's kind of hard to track down the original kernel of the idea. Uh, I had to kind of poke around for it because it just, you know, splintered in so many directions as people just ran with the idea. At this point, there's nobody who owns Stabby the Space Roomba. It is a collective good for all of humanity. I'm just going to give a quick overview of the stories, but I will have the links to what I could find about them or what remains of them online, so that you can go read them yourselves. The God of Aleppo is a very touching story about a small god in a little agricultural community and its little temple, and the man who takes care of that temple. It's a story about loyalty and love. It's a story about tragedy and survival and recovery and many beautiful things. It has actually been made into a web comic or a small graphic novel that, of course, is owned by the person who made that. So in that sense, the graphic novel wasn't crowdsourced, but the story that they based it on was crowdsourced. If you do not cry when you get to the end of this story, then are you even human? I have to wonder. I think even robots would cry. Would Murderbot cry? Probably. God of Aleppo is that lovely and touching. And it was built by multiple people sharing their work, showing their work, shipping their work, and becoming inspired by what they were doing together. 
Neighbor Steve is a little bit different, as I said earlier. I think the value of going back and reading Neighbor Steve Chronicles, if I may say, is less that you can be inspired to write something similar, but that you can see how people reacted to the story as it was being posted. Especially if you go back and go through some of the notes on the Tumblr, original Tumblr posts, you'll see people just flipping out. It's wonderful. It's great. It's a modern fairy tale where uh, an old god's demon moves into a suburban neighborhood and becomes friends with neighbor Steve and his very suburban family. It's very Adams Family-esque in style. Hilarious, a little creepy, a lot of fun. But again, look at how people were reacting to the story. Look at the legend that it's become over time. The next one is Stabby the Space Room. And as I said, this is one that's kind of gotten out of hand and it's hard to track down because it's just it's fractured into so many different threads of a story. But the original concept was talking about how humans anthropomorphize everything around us. And what if that were a human-only trait? How would aliens react, you know, space aliens, Star Trek style, to humans constantly putting googly eyes on stuff and, and identifying things that they love, a piece of furniture with a name, you know? And in this particular case, of course, the object we're talking about is a Roomba type of vacuum that cleans the hallways in a starship space station. It's called Stabby because somebody taped a knife to it, uh, kind of like a lot of people show videos of taping a knife to a crab's claw or something. When the Roomba goes wandering around, it ends up stabbing people accidentally. Humans think this is hilarious and call it Stabby the Space Roomba. I think eventually it was made an ensign or maybe even an officer on the ship. And the, all the aliens who have to interact with this inanimate object, it's not a sentient Roomba, are very confused by it. Are very confused by the humans who love the space Roomba. Going down the space Roomba rabbit hole can take you in many different directions. There's the whole space uh, um, humans as space orcs, which is a favorite of mine. I might do another episode on that. Or just the idea of aliens interacting with humans and our peculiarities, the way we anthropomorphize everything. I have anthropomorphized my coffee cup, for instance. You know you do it too. Don't look at me like that. Each of these stories, when you go and you look at them, which I hope you do, you'll see the vibrant energy that was created around them in real time. It can be so scary to show your work, especially as a writer, especially when we're thinking of all the lessons we've learned on proper grammar and punctuation, the things that were beaten into our heads about story structure and character development, plot arcs, I could go on, so that it feels like we're taking a huge risk by showing something that isn't perfect. The thing is, we are taking a huge risk showing the world something that isn't perfect. But the value in that, the opportunity to perhaps collaborate, if that's something you're interested in, or just to get feedback early on during the writing and draft process, the opportunity to feed your fans, if you've got any. I'm not sure I do, but <laughs> I, I like to think they're out there. Is really, really exciting. 
motivating, inspiring. You can feed off of that. And even if you don't get a lot of interaction with whatever you post, I guarantee you that just putting it out there in the world will make writing easier. It will make writing easier because you will have gotten over the hurdle of being scared about the vulnerability of sharing. Because isn't that what it always comes back around to? Vulnerability? That thing we love and hate so much in equal measures? If sharing what you're working on right now is just too intimidating, you can't do it at all, then I suggest going and finding a prompt somewhere in the prompt files. I did an episode a few episodes back on prompts and how to use them and the value of them. So you might go listen to that. I believe the show notes also have some links to places that have prompts or can help you find prompts and do a flash fic on a prompt and share that. The point is, the more you do it, the more comfortable you will become doing it. And that in itself is the important lesson to take away. I gave you these stories, these three classic internet stories, as inspirations, and as examples of all the good things that can happen when you do that, no matter how scary it is. Take that chance, show your work, ship your work, share your work, and I guarantee you the rewards will manifest themselves and your creativity in endless combinations. Just try it out. Trust me on this one. Thank you for listening today. I hope you got something out of it. If nothing else, I hope you enjoy the, sh- the stories that I linked. I appreciate you being here with me. Please go check out my website, The Author Alchemist. As I always plug at the end of it, I've got that freebie, Right to Market or Not, for fan fiction writers who are worried that their original work might not be marketable. Spoiler, it might not be marketable, but maybe it might not be marketable in ways you did not anticipate. So go check that out. Uh, I still have my courses up and online. I'm finishing up the third one that I'm going to have available. And so I really hope that you might find something valuable there to help you out. And of course, you can check out my older podcasts. If you have any questions, or if you have a topic that you'd like me to talk about, if you have concerns, worries, writer's block, email me, let me know, contact me, and I will help you as much as I can, because that's what I'm here for. So time for y'all to get to writing, time for me to get to editing, which is what I'm working on right now. I have a book that's almost finished. So less writing, more editing. That's my goal today. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to me ramble on about writing here on the Author Alchemist podcast. I'm Kim New York, and I hope this episode has helped clear away the cobwebs from your inspiration. For more podcasts and other tools, including self-paced online courses, please visit my website at www.authoralchemist.com, no dashes, or email me at kimboo, K-I-M-B-O-O, at authoralchemist.com. I'd love to read your questions and feedback. Now, time to get some writing done.